seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill him every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill him? If I did, there well, would be hundreds. Well, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started stopping If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Pretty good. Watching this GME stock go through the moon, through the moon, <laughs> to the moon. Uh-huh. How are you doing? Good. I didn't get on that bandwagon, unfortunately. You're missing out. I know. Then again, actually, you're one of the good ones. You aren't hurting these poor hedge fund managers who are crying on the news about all this money they're losing. I mean, I kind of wish I was, <laughs> but... <laughs> hey, they're the victims here. <laughs> Uh, hmm. I don't know <laughs> if I agree with that. Yeah. But Who do you have for us today? Have you ever heard of the Ken and Barbie killers? Yeah. I'm a little familiar with their story, but certainly not enough to recount much of it. Yeah. So we'll be talking about them. It takes place in Canada. Same place as the bathtub girls. Going back to our roots. Yep. The first episode don't recommend going back and listening to that one no yeah please don't honestly yeah uh, like episode three and from there on but you can skip one and two mm-hmm. <laughs> i think most podcasters would agree with that yeah that yeah yeah so this starts in 1987 with a girl named carla she was 17 and she was attending a pet convention in Toronto, Canada, where she happened upon a guy named Paul Bernardo. He is 23, and I will probably call him Bernardo throughout this whole story because that's just what I call him in my head. What's wrong with Paul? I don't know. I like the name Bernardo. Paul's a strong name. It's a, it's a Christian it's, name. It's definitely shorter. But anyways, <laughs> so they met at this convention and just immediately fell in, well not fell in love, well, love first sight, yeah, fell in love with each other, let's go there. They had sexual relations the first day they met, it was sparks flying, you know? And this is legal in Canada, right? Yes, the age of consent at this time for Canada was 14. Oof. <laughs> and so let's talk a little bit about Carla here. So she was the oldest of three sisters, and she lived with her family while attending high school, and she worked also on the side as a, in a vet clinic. She wanted to go forward with that as her career, which is why she was in this convention at the time. And Bernardo was an accountant at the time, and he and Carla started dating and the Carla's family just like loved him. He was your tall, blonde hunk of a guy who had a stable job and he seemed great. He actually ended up moving in with Carla and her family when they got engaged in 1990. So they knew each other about three years before being engaged. During this time, when he was living with Carla's family, he actually lost his job as an accountant, and he ended 
up focusing on illegal activities like smuggling cigarettes from Canada to the United States. And Bernardo had always been upset that Carla had given away her virginity before meeting him. He wanted to take it. He also had this weird obsession with the youngest sister. Her name was Tammy, and she was 15 at the time this was all going on. And instead of Carla being like, weird, you shouldn't like a 15-year-old girl, and also, this girl is my sister, and I don't know about you, but I'm like pretty protective of my siblings. Even if you're not protective of your siblings, you shouldn't be that okay with your fiance. She encouraged it. She broke her sibling, her sister's blinds so that he could watch her through the window. Yeah. Not normal, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Carla was like, you know what? My sister, her virginity would be a great gift to the love of my life. Let's make this happen. I don't and correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think you as a sibling can just choose who gets that. Well, Carla did. <laughs> <laughs> she stole Valium from her work and drugged her sister. Then when her sister passed out, Bernardo started to rape Tammy, the sister. But she started to wake up and Bernardo had to stop. So... A few months later, Carla's like, don't worry, I got this. And she steals a stronger drug from work called halothane. It's used to like put uh, animals under anesthesia for surgery and stuff. After dinner with her parents, the entire family goes to sleep. Carla's like, hey, Tammy, come have a drink with me and my cool fiance, you know? And Tammy, who's like young and impressionable, was like, oh, okay. Why not? So, of course, the drinks they give Tammy are drugged, and she passes out, and Bernardo rapes her. Carla, uh, she videotapes the whole thing, and after Bernardo is done, Carla rapes her younger sister. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? What? Wait, why? Because she's crazy. But that's... What? Like, just when you think it's gotten like as wrong and gross as it can then she rapes her own sibling uh-huh i told you this starts out at a thousand all right yeah <laughs> keep going okay so while carla's raping tammy she's holding a rag soaked with the halothane over mm-hmm. tammy's mouth but this drug is meant to be like an aerosol and it causes chemical burns all over Tammy's face. Oh. Tammy ends up throwing up because of the mixture of probably the incorrect amount of drugs and also the alcohol. She chokes on her own vomit and Carla and Bernardo, they're like, it's okay, we got this. So they clean up everything, they dress Tammy they wash all the clothes, and then they call 911. A few hours later, after getting everything cleaned up. They take Tammy and they put her on her bed, and they tell the police, like, oh, she must have drank too much, and she puked in her sleep and died. 
well, she wasn't dead at this point, but that's what happened. She was choking on her own vomit after drinking too much. The police are like, okay, sure. We're not even gonna pay attention to these chemical burns on her face. Well, that's not true. They asked him about it and they were like, oh, we pulled her off the bed onto the carpet to try to save her and it must be rug burn. And they didn't look further into it. So it was declared a tragic accident after Tammy is pronounced dead. So she made it, made it to the hospital alive, but died there at the hospital? Mm-hmm. Okay. She was never revived or anything. She mm-hmm. just, yeah. So Carla and Bernardo end up moving out of the house and into their own apartment. And one night, Bernardo was out stealing license plates for his smuggling operation. Because, you know, to get across the border, he, like, switches out the plates. Right. So he comes across a 14-year-old named Leslie. She had been locked out of her house after missing curfew, and he blindfolds her and kidnaps her and brings her home to Carla. And he's like, Hey, Carla, I got a playmate for us. I am not going to go into detail of what they did do because it's really bad, but essentially they raped and tortured her for an entire day and they videotaped the entire thing. So the next day they're like, well, what do we do? We can't let her go because she might report us and like, we don't know what to do as the host. So let's do the logical thing and kill her. So whether or not Bernardo killed her or Carla, they say different things in the trial. Bernardo's like, Carla poisoned Leslie with a large dose of halothane, the drug previously used on Tammy. And Carla says that Bernardo strangled her. Okay, so they turned on each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Either way, they kill her. And they store her body in the basement to hide her while Carla's family comes over for dinner. It's pretty dark, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The next day, they cut her body up and put it in cement, and then they take it to a lake, Lake Gibson, for anybody in Canada who knows where that is or if they've been there. So they dump the cement pieces into the lake, but one piece is too large for them to bother like carrying it all the way in, and it's a little bit out of the water. A father and son are heading out to go fishing, and they notice the cement block, and they look at it closer, and there's these weird, like, it almost looks like flesh peeking out of the cement block. So they call the police, and the police excavate it and they're able to identify Leslie through some dental work. Ironically, the day they find the police find Leslie's body is Carla and Bernardo's wedding day. And as a wedding gift, Carla thoughtfully invites a coworker over to her house for drinks. And this woman, the coworker, is just known as Jane Doe going forward. Carla drugs her and calls Bernardo, and they videotape raping her together and doing bad stuff. 
and she wakes up the next morning with no memory of what happened. She thinks she just drank too much and she's like a little embarrassed about it. And they do this at least one other time to her. So about 10 months after Leslie, the second murder victim, the first being the sister, mm-hmm. about 10 months later in April of 1992, Carla and Bernardo are driving by a Catholic school just out looking for victims and they see a young girl walking. So they park their car and Carla calls the girl over and she's like, hey, I need help with directions. I have a map here. Can you help me? And the girl's like, yeah, of course. So while the girl's like looking at the map, Bernardo comes behind, puts a knife to her throat and pushes her into their car. And then Carla takes the knife and holds it to her while Bernardo drives them back to their apartment. So this girl is 15-year-old Christian, or sorry, Kristen French. So Kristen's parents call the police when she doesn't come home from school. And the police go to the school just to check it out. And they find one of her shoes in the parking lot. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't looking good. So, this is Easter weekend, and Bernardo and Carla videotaped themselves over three days torturing and raping Kristen. But then Easter comes around, and they're like, oh no, we have to go to Carla's parents' house. What do we do with this young teenager? They're like, well, let's just kill her. (laughs) Oh, I feel like I'm going to a dark place here. Okay. Okay. So, what do they do with the young girl? And once again, they have different like reports of what happened mm-hmm. during the trial. So, Bernardo says the young girl attempted to escape and Carla flips out, beat her, and then tied a rope around her neck and strangled her to death. Carla is like, no, Bernardo strangled this one again. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, a few days, Christian's Kristen's body is found in a ditch a few days later, and police are stumped. In late December of 1992, so they killed Kristen in July of 1992. This is December. Bernardo goes too far, and he ends up beating Carla. Her Carla's work calls her parents and they're like hey this is like weird but she has two really bad black eyes and we think maybe her husband might have done it to her so her parents go and they're like Carla you gotta come with us and Carla's like okay and she comes with them so I'm about to (laughs) take you on a wild ride here back to the beginning okay Mm -hmm. I didn't really go into it because this is about the woman but Bernardo is a serial rapist. He's raped over 20 women in the time that they were together. You mean only some of them were were with Carla, his wife? Right, yeah. Got it. So only some of them were with Carla, and the only ones that were ever murdered were with Carla. Got it. So this, like, serial rapist has a name called the Scarborough Rapist, and two years ago... Somebody had 
given a description that matched the description of Bernardo. So they brought him in for questioning and they took his DNA. But since he was like a well-educated, well-spoken white male with blonde hair, his DNA just kind of sat on a shelf for two years. And then they finally got around to running it and his DNA matched the DNA of the serial rapist. So (laughs) this is happening at the same time that Carla leaves him and Carla comes out and she's like yeah he's totally this serial rapist and he murdered Leslie and Kristen. Meanwhile while this is all going on they also reopen the investigation into Tammy's death the serial or the sister right the first one. Carla is like okay I will fully cooperate with you and tell you everything for full immunity but that's denied because it's she was part of the crimes she is however offered a plea deal of 12 years and she immediately takes it and this whole entire time this is going on she's acting like she was a victim of this all she was just there she was abused throughout the whole thing so she's playing the victim's part and she pretty much got this plea deal because they needed her testimony to really get Bernardo on the murders because there wasn't DNA left on the murders and there wasn't like a lot of evidence tying him to them. They did have a search warrant for his and Carla's apartment, but it was since there wasn't really any evidence tying him to the murders, it was like not the best of search warrants like they couldn't really go through stuff it was like you can go in and look okay and they only found one videotape and it showed carla and bernardo having sex with a prostitute but that's it okay so (laughs) so while carla and bernardo are kind of like going against each other here the day the trial begins Bernardo tells his lawyer he's like okay I need you to go into my house go into the bathroom look behind like the drywall and there's tapes I need you to take those tapes and not watch them and so his lawyer is like okay sure and he goes and he gets the tapes the next day Carla is like okay so I'll help you guys and she leads police to the apartment where she shows them the receipt that Bernardo has where he bought the cement in order to enclose Leslie's body and throw her into the lake the lake yeah Yeah. and she also gets him some or gets the police some DNA evidence that links him to the murders as well so she's like doing her part Mm -hmm. and she still looks like a victim okay so then Bernardo's lawyer watches the tapes and he's like oh my goodness this not only shows like Carla participating in the rapes but also torturing like actively and assaulting the woman and enjoying it and encouraging it Like, it shows she is an active participant, and she's going down. And 
Instead of immediately turning these tapes in, he's like, I'm gonna hold on to them. And then when I'm cross-examining her, I'm gonna bring them out and have a gotcha moment and it's gonna make my career. But that doesn't happen. He never gets a chance to cross-examine her and he keeps holding onto the tapes. And then in 1994, over a full year after seeing the tapes, he finally releases them over and ends up removing himself as Bernardo's counsel. But at that point, it was decided that Carla had given the evidence required for her plea deal and she got to keep it the uh, media dubbed it like a deal with the devil fair yeah (laughs) so while she was in prison she got a bachelor's in psychology wow okay (laughs) (laughs) and she had two relationships while in prison one of them was with like this guy who she met through the what's the word fence she oh. met because they separate men and women. So he was at the prison. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she met him through the fence, and they like had sex through the fence. And <laughs> wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then she was also dating a woman she met while in prison, but she says, "Don't worry, it's not gay because this woman is planning on transitioning into a man." And then later. She actually said the only reason she stayed was with this woman was because the woman like spent a bunch of money on her and bought her like lingerie and stuff when she got out. That seems oddly defensive for someone who willingly raped other women. Uh-huh. It's like you know like lady, no one's judging you she... for being in a relationship with another woman or a trans man if if that really was the case. Yeah. But she... like that's not what you're being judged for. She said she was worried about how her family would react. Oh, of course, right. But I mean, you murdered your youngest sister. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Okay, so you remember how the bathtub girls ended? Yep. They got out and got to live happily ever after. So Carla was released in July of 2005. (sighs) Lovely. (laughs) And guess what she's doing now? Is she a therapist? Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) Oh, good. She is married to her lawyer's brother and she has three kids at one point she was volunteering at her kids school and she's living a normal life to an extent she does keep getting like i guess doxxed is the word Mm -hmm. like media and stuff keeps releasing where she's living and her new name she changed her name a few times and she keeps getting upset and having to move again (laughs) But, yeah. So, that's what she's doing with her life now. And it's quite upsetting. And that is the story of Carla Homoka. So, Canada's kind of messed up. Because that is the third third woman they yeah, the first let was off the sisters. hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they let off the hook to go live a happy life they actually have since passed a bill that makes it like harder for somebody to keep a plea deal if they're hiding something so 
<laughs> there's that <laughs> no the headlines were, were dead on this really was a deal with the devil I mean sure you got Bernardo off the street who is a bona fide serial rapist and murderer mm-hmm. but you also let one go Carla partook in all of those yeah and I just how could anybody marry her I don't know after what she did a pretty face and there, there will be a guy who's there but and then also like having kids with her look what she did to her own sister who's to say she would not do something to her kids yeah it almost makes me suspicious of her husband mm-hmm. because i'm like was that a selling point for you yeah were you are you someone who's also like bernardo and you were like this is the perfect wife mm-hmm. it is weird i have no sympathy for her getting doxxed tammy leslie Kristen. And the Jane Doe, they have to live with this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they their their families have to live with this, minus the Jane Doe who's alive. Her own family, too. Yeah. yeah. So, no. Like, those families will never forget this. She should never forget this. And if, she, and if she gets to enjoy not being in prison, then the least that can happen to her is she has to move every few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty sick. <laughs> I know, that was a tough one, to be honest. The crazy thing is, so you know the, um, what is it, the psychopath checklist or whatever? Yeah. She only got 5 out of 30 on it, or 5 out of 40 on it, and hmm. Bernardo got 30. So I'm like, I thought that was weird. But also one of the, a psychologist came out and he said, like, he thought she had read books on how to act as a battered woman and stuff because some of the things she said kind of seemed too to the book (laughs) you know what i mean yeah she does benefit yeah she she does benefit from that in Mm -hmm. in the sense that jurors judges police people you see a woman who is claiming to be battered and you want to believe them Mm -hmm. and it's a good impulse to have but it certainly allows you know women like this can can use that yeah unfortunately definitely and it's just so crazy that one the lawyer bernardo's lawyer held that those tapes for a year i mean that guy's sick as well oh yeah it's awful he was i read that he was a new lawyer so he didn't really realize what he was doing was an obstruction of evidence right but still like why would you hold it it doesn't make any sense and he never really came up with a better reason other than like i was waiting for the right time and then you said it he was waiting for for the moment that would make his career yeah lawyers are a different breed of people (laughs) they probably wouldn't do very well on that psychopath test either no (laughs) that's yeah not a whole lot lot to add for this one there are some stats i remember remember from my criminology class like rapists tend to rape on average five people before going to prison mm-hmm. Let's, I'm going to pull up some more recent numbers yeah and also there is thought that Carla helped him get a lot of his victims as he was the uh, serial rapist right and certainly it seems to be that she when she partook it, it led to murder mm-hmm. so that's yep. on not on just on her of course but she she's playing a role there <laughs> Yes, she is. So this is 
according to multiple data sources from RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, Rape Abuse and Incest National Network. They estimate that for every 1,000 rapes, 384 are reported to the police, 57 result in an arrest, 11 are referred for prosecution, 7 result in a felony conviction, and 6 result in incarceration. For every 1,000 rapes, 6 result in incarceration. Oh my gosh. That's... Wow. Oh, That also makes you think that there's probably way more girls raped than reported as far as this case. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Especially because of that Jane Doe, mm-hmm. who, who didn't really remember. Some of her coworkers came out later and they're like, no, like the more we think back on her behaviors, I'm pretty sure she was a psychopath. Like, yeah. Yeah, she was really good at like being who people wanted her to be. She was a chameleon. Mm-hmm. And now she gets to li- she has three kids. Yeah, you can see pictures of her like walking with her kids and holding hands with them and like all this stuff and you just and she looks normal like completely just suburban mom yeah it's weird shoot do you think where do you land on that do you think are or or maybe i'll speak for myself here i would be happier with her spending her life in prison but do you think that's just a result of us growing up or a result of me growing up in an american culture that tends to be more harsh when it comes to to punishments so i would say i'm generally try to believe like people can be rehabilitated and stuff but there was like one fact of this case that really stuck to me Mm -hmm. after her sister died she stole some of her sister's clothes and would wear them and pretend to be her sister her dead sister in order to have like role playing sex with Bernardo and like that like that level of like what it would take to wear your dead sister's clothes and pretend to be her to get somebody off like no no that's not fixable yeah right like oh I don't think so yeah like there is a level of something wrong with you that's yeah no, uh, and I, I do I do think people can be, be rehabilitated when it comes to shoot even like a, like a crime of passion second degree murder kind of thing like gang violence I, I think those people can turn around mm-hmm. but yeah like people like the, people like the women we cover uh, just about all of them except for Mallard the windshield murderer mm-hmm. excluding her I don't think the people we, we've covered can be rehabilitated because they tend to be just off just different yeah and carla to do that to your own sibling and then all these these other teenage girls Mm -hmm. i just can't imagine excluding the fact that this was done to her family as well Mm -hmm. imagine being one of the parents or siblings relatives of one of the other girls and you see her you see carla walking down the street with her kids and you just have to be like, wow, I guess I just have to, you know, keep on walking by. And yeah, like they should never have to see that woman yeah, I mean, ever. 
She wasn't even a minor when she did these crimes either. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't, I don't get Canada at all. Okay. <laughs> like, she wasn't a minor. She murdered. At the very least, even if you want to put most of the blame on 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 Bernardo, if he raped twenty women and the only murders he committed were with Carla, then Carla is clearly a factor here. So she at, she is at least influencing to an extent. Uh huh. So you, you got to pin those murders to you know partially on her. Yeah. And so there was it was three murders. One was her own sister. There's videotapes of her enjoying the rapes, partaking in the rapes, partaking in the murders. The the plea deal you should, you should you should have said, oh sorry, this deal only covered up to so many murders or rapes. Or, or like it should be like if any other evidence comes into play to show us something right. that's not being said, you know, like yeah, just bottom line stuff. What happened to Bernardo? What was his sentence? So Paul Bernardo was sentenced to twenty five years in prison, and later declared a dangerous offender which means he will likely spend his life in prison why didn't carla face a similar punishment because she came off as a victim and they made that plea deal with like no bottom line no like little script where you sign your life away without reading it you know yeah yeah No, no wonder she jumped on the deal i mean that was a fantastic deal for her like yeah no wonder she jumped on that Mm-hmm. Yep. So I would too. <laughs> but yeah. I am curious about how she lives she probably just feels like it's so unfair that people keep giving away her address and name. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. Even if I like knew she did a complete one eighty and was now a fantastic person, just for the sake of none of the victim's families ever having to see her again i'd be like no like spend that time in prison do good in prison somehow yeah like figure out a way a way to do good from from prison because you were able to do this to your own sister you weren't a minor you took joy in it you, you are too dangerous to be let out mm-hmm. but yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna need a pretty good herstorita to cleanse this palate. <laughs> so I have a pretty happy hair stream. So are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. We're going to start women in his hair story. <laughs> I don't know why I have so much trouble with that. Okay. This woman is named Zelda Wynn Valdez. In the early 1920s, she got a job as a stock girl in a high-end boutique. And she worked her way up to making alterations and being a saleswoman. And she was the first African-American sales clerk and tailor hmm. in the United States. So 1920s? That, yeah. G- cool. So that's amazing, right? Yeah. She does more. <laughs> So in 1935, she actually opened up her own store in New York, and her shop was the first black-owned shop on Broadway, and she had, like, loads of celebrity clientele come to her. Very cool. Yeah, super amazing. And then by the 1950s, she had nine other staff members, and 
She was charging almost $1,000 per gown. And all of this, along with her like celebrity clientele and stuff, caught the attention of... I was going to tell you to guess, but you're going to have no idea, right? No. <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Oh. What? Were you expecting that? No. <laughs> okay, so he ended up hiring her to create the original Playboy bunny costume. Wow. And she drew it, designed it, and made it. And it's amazing. And I love this. She has a quote that says, I just had a God-given talent for making people beautiful. Because she says the way she designed her clothes would like cinch a woman where they needed to be cinched and like brought the eyes to where they should be drawn and all this stuff where she could make a woman beautiful. And then when she was 65 years old, she was asked to design the outfits for the Dance Theater of Harlem which is the first ballet company. And she designed the costumes and supervised the wardrobe department all the way up until her 90s when she passed away. What did she pass away from? Old age. <laughs> <laughs> Just the old? <laughs> she no, the old? It happens. It happens to everybody. But that's not true. Ooh. Dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to... Yeah. Hopefully more people than, than not. Mm-hmm. And that's, I thought, I don't know. It was just so surprising when I was looking at women in history. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then Black History Month is coming up, so why there not? There we go. <laughs> what was her name again? Zelda Wynn. Okay, so it was Zelda. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. Ze- I think of The Legend of Zelda, the <laughs> video game. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if I heard you right. Yes. But that's that's really cool. To, to have your own store in the 20s. Yeah. Well, 30s. She started out in the 20s. So she started her own store during the Depression. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And she originally learned how to like do everything while working for her uncle. And she broke away from that and then went to another store and then worked her way up and saved and then opened a store. Good for her. Yeah. That really reminds me of... Uh, there's, this, there's this show one of my roommates is really into right now. It uh, covers his like, foul words. Like curse words and it. Co- oh, I've heard of it. It's yeah. What's it called? The. It's called the history of swear words. Yes, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, and I watched a few episodes with her, and I ended up summarizing the show as. This word, existed, and then black people made it cool, and then everyone else used it. Really. Like that really that really became the trend of, these words. Huh. And it was it was pretty fat, but it just it shows how influential black culture has been in the u.s it's huge yeah <laughs> clothing like i would have never guessed that mm-hmm. about the playboy bunny suit oh yeah and yeah it's it's just fascinating to me it is very cool and i will post on instagram a picture of the original playboy suit and of Do it. Velza, uh, zelda there you go yeah uh well that, that, that's a lot uh, more cheerful than it's very than cheerful than uh carla and Yep. <laughs> yep, that one was not fun. Yep, but hopefully our listeners, the sickos, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You, you sick, sick people who <laughs> enjoy this stuff. I mean, to be fair, I got into it and I went deep and um, I get it. <laughs> Any other fun facts you have that you left out from the story? No, there's just so much gross stuff I left out. 
<laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> so. I guess we'll have to leave it at that. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and I don't know if you don't follow us on Instagram. Our website's up now. So that's fun. You can check it out at murder.com. M-U-R-D-H-E-R.com. Mm -hmm. It has a photo of Danny and I. It does. It's old timey. It is. And uh, you can check out all of our episodes there. You can find out which platforms we're on. And uh, I did not write my bio, just in case anyone <laughs> reads that. <laughs> I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's a link to it in Instagram too, if you cannot yeah. find it. Follow us there. We would love to have enough followers uh, where we can ask people, like have polls up and ask you what you like, what you don't like, what, you, what you'd want us to improve upon because um, we are flying blind yep we really have no idea <laughs> contents you yes. you know. <laughs> here's a person who did a crime yeah a woman <laughs> and here's another woman who did history yeah but mm -hmm. let, oh I, actually I would love to know if they like history as a segment mm -hmm. or if they want to focus on want us to focus on like more inventors or artists or if they like the, kind of the catch all approach mm -hmm. yeah it, it'd probably be the latter yeah just a surprise every week there you go. Like a box of chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates. Mm -hmm. We're going to get sued now. Way to go, Danny. I didn't say it. I just said <laughs> it was like a box of chocolate. That was close enough. <laughs> They're going to come after us. Oh, man. Now we'll never get sponsors. Oh, well, good luck. Sue me for nothing. I have nothing. Hey, they'll take our mics. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> all that together with tape. <laughs> <laughs> they'll still take it. I know. Just to prove a point. Oof. Anyways, thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. And goodbye.